0: We're back, just like that, the clockwork. It's Monday. Well, it's not, I mean, not not for us because I mean, we don't record this on Mondays. It's a it's a magic trick. Welcome to Two Damn White Guys. I'm Julian Smith. I'm joined by Andrew Rader, whom you can't see, but I assure you he's here. Two Damn White Guys are in the house.
1: In the houses. In the house. houses.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, we're still in the houses because you know we're in different states and all that stuff. But you know, we're just trying to we're trying to create a, a vibe here, Andrew. You got you got to help <laughs> me out a little bit. All right. All right. I'm getting no help from Andrew on this one. <laughs> We're talking about space today, folks. We're talking about five different questions about space. Now, we've covered space before in earlier episodes, but not like this. For whatever reason, space, I've been unable to avoid the topic of space in the last couple of weeks. I find myself in so many conversations with friends. My, I was talking to my uncle this week. And uh, he asked a question that we're actually going to pose today about how spacecrafts accelerate in space with no gravity, no resistance. Spoiler alert, that's one of the questions we're asking. So some of these came from conversations I've had over the last few weeks and others have plagued me for the vast majority of my life. So, Andrew, put these to bed for us. You have a PhD from MIT in long-duration space flight. You work in space, for crying out loud? I mean, I I guess technically I should say you work on space because you're working in planet Earth, on planet Earth. Well, that's confusing. I'm just messing this whole thing up. Uh, You're very familiar with space, the goings-on in space. You're more than qualified. The end. Let's just jump into it. Let's get all five questions out on the table where we all can see them. Here they are. Number one, how prepared are we for an asteroid impact on planet Earth? Number two, how does a spacecraft accelerate in space without resistance? No gravity. Number three, why is there no gravity in space? Or at least reduced gravity. Number quattro, where does water come from? And if anyone's thinking that's not a space question, think again. Because the only reason we have water on planet Earth is because, well, I, I can't really tell you that without, you know, Andrew should, Andrew should tell you that part. That's why we call him the fax machine. And last but not least, number five, what would happen to your body if you floated off into space? Would it decompose? Would it just float around forever in perfect condition like Walt Disney himself? So those are the questions. Let's start from the top. Andrew, my very good pal, give me good news, please. How prepared are we for an asteroid impact on this planet right now?
1: Not very... Prepared. Really? Uh, We're not very much more prepared than the dinosaurs, unfortunately, so far.
0: I was not expecting that answer.
1: So there's two parts to it. One is detection, and the second part is deflection. So first we have to know that it exists, an asteroid out there. And there are obviously millions of asteroids, billions, depending on what you consider an asteroid, because really it's a spectrum from Jupiter down to specks of dust, like the Bodies in the solar system, or the sun is even bigger. Um, so, So we don't regularly monitor all the asteroids. We haven't really discovered all the asteroids that could cause a threat to Earth. Some of the bigger ones we do track, but really there's no comprehensive system to track all the asteroids that could possibly pose a danger. There's not really a comprehensive search either. So there could be ones that, we are not aware of, that kind of just come out of the blue and hit us with very little warning.
0: So we don't have missiles in place or anything like that to just, like, blow stuff out of the sky should it come our way? We don't have, like, a radar detection system for... I don't know, radar wouldn't probably work on an asteroid, but we don't have any... I, 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 That was not the answer I was expecting. Let's just put it that way. I thought for sure there would be more... uh, I'm terrified is what I'm saying. This is terrifying (laughs) news. Yeah. Well... Okay, so we,
1: we are aware of some that are potentially dangerous, and there's none that have been identified that are definitely dangerous in the near term. So that's good news. Uh, but what I'm saying is you don't know what you don't know. We're, we're not aware of any that should hit us in the next, like, 500 years or oh, really maybe ever within within prediction. But, you know, every week we have one that flies, you know, just past the moon or within Earth earth moon distance um, and they're not expected because we're not tracking them. So we don't know what we don't know. So there could be tons of them out there. There are tons of them out there that are potentially dangerous. Um, that being said, like they're probably not gigantic ones. So they're more like if they happen to hit the planet in the wrong place and you happen to be underneath it, that's really bad news, but they're not going to probably destroy all life on earth or something like that. At least not, Probably in the near term. I mean, there could be one that we're missing, but that's less likely. It's a matter of probability and size, right? So right. obviously there's some that are dangerous, but, you know, how dangerous? Like, is it catastrophic to life on Earth or is it just like could destroy your city?
0: And that depends on? Things in space go really fast. And that's
1: why asteroids and comets are dangerous and impact with like astounding Amounts of energy, like they're measured in thousands or millions of Hiroshima bombs, basically.
0: That's kind of messed up.
1: That's why you have one asteroid can basically destroy all life on Earth, like with the dinosaurs. So there are some dangerous, potentially dangerous ones, and we don't track them all, but we do track some of the bigger ones that we're aware of, obviously. And so the the second part is the deflection. So you have to know it's there first. That's detection, and then the second part is deflection. Can we actually land on an asteroid and change its course enough? And the key there like an is Armageddon. early detection. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so basically, when we look at asteroids, they have orbits, and they're well-known. Uh, like, we we can measure them, uh, the orbits based on monitoring them. And same thing with Earth. So we can look at in, like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 years is the asteroid potentially going to line up where Earth is going to be at that time, right? So an asteroid could cross Earth's orbit, but Earth's orbit is gigantic. But if it happens to cross Earth's orbit when Earth is also there, that's a big problem. So there are a few that have, you know, one in a thousand chance, one in a million chance of hitting Earth, and it's all based on uh, probability because... There's a lot of gravitational interactions with other planets that come into it. It's hard to tell exactly where something's going to be in 100 years. right? But there are some asteroids. One is actually Bennu. Bennu is the asteroid that Osiris-Rex is going to land on just this week. So there's a NASA spacecraft that's going to land on an asteroid, which is one that has 1 in 800 chance of hitting Earth in 2170. 1 in 1800, actually.
0: Oh, so they are kind of working on this.
1: Yeah, so we have a few spacecraft that have landed on asteroids. Um, Rosetta landed on a comet. There was one called Stardust that collected dust from a comet's tail. Uh, there was one Hayabusa, a Japanese one that landed on Itakawa. That was Hayabusa 1. I believe there's a Hayabusa 2, actually, also. But there's this one from NASA, which is just now going to land on an asteroid and collect a sample from it. And this asteroid has been around since before Earth formed. So it's some of the earliest matter in the solar system. It's collecting potentially amino acids, so the building blocks of life. We're going to see if the early material that created the solar system is capable of generating life. Wow. And then can you deflect it? So if you catch an asteroid early enough and it's not too big... All you need to do is change its course very very slightly so that in 100 years it's no longer going to hit earth, right? Cuz you just have to change it tiny little bit and then for 100 years it starts diverging from that course for a right, long one. Like
0: Marty Marty McFly trying to convince his dad in Back to the Future not to forget to ask his mom to the dance.
1: Yeah, 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 small it's like the butterfly effect. Small Changes at one point will have like a massive change down the road, exactly. But if you catch an asteroid like the week before it's going to hit Earth, it's too late. (laughs) And if you start pummeling it with missiles, with nuclear missiles, first of all, our nuclear missiles are not designed to fly in space, they're actually ballistic missiles intercontinental ballistic missiles, they're called. And they basically fly in this arc and they don't go into orbit. They actually just go up into space and come back down and hit something. So they're not really designed to fly into space. Some might be able to, but...
0: I thought the Russians had if, some missile that they could control with a rem- like in space with a remote control or something like that.
1: Well, you may be able to control them in space, but they're coming down somewhere. They're not going to get up into
0: orbit. Ah, uh, I see.
1: Right? So you can issue commands to them in space, maybe, but they're still coming down.
0: At some point. They're coming down. Okay, so they can't continue to go up for. I mean, I guess if, if you had enough uh, energy inside of it, you could make it go a certain distance. But you're saying it just you can't let it go indefinitely. Well, it
1: so it's so in orbit. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but an orbit is basically when you're constantly falling towards the center, but you're moving so fast to the side that the center is no longer there. So you end up going just around in a circle but okay. these are suborbitals so the surface is still there <laughs> unfortunately it's just far away so it's like like if you're firing a cannonball and you keep firing it further and further and further this is a really f- long distance cannonball but it's not a cannonball that circles earth forever
0: mm-hmm.
1: so so a lot of the missiles aren't designed to fly in space even if they could if the asteroid's coming towards you most of the asteroid's still probably going to hit you, and it might just be in a bunch of pieces because the inertia, the big mass that's coming towards you, is still going to come towards you, right? Right. It just setting off an explosion in front of it doesn't necessarily do much to it because it's pretty minimal compared with the size of the giant rock.
0: So this this asteroid that we just that we just landed on. You said we landed on it successfully. No, no, we're about to land on it. Okay, so we, I mean, are they expecting it to be a success to land on it?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, they're expecting. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, they wouldn't have probably set out.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, right. I mean,
1: we have landed on other ones like Rosetta and Hayabusa. There have been missions right. that have landed on asteroids before.
0: But, like, w- what is the deflection process like? I mean, are they are just going to, lo- like, light some TNT on it or something and try to...
1: Oh, no, so we're not deflecting this one. We're just studying it to learn more about it. We're just collecting... uh up to two kilograms of dust, basically, from it. We're shooting it with jets of nitrogen. It'll release some dust, enters in a capsule. The capsule goes back to Earth. We collect it and study it. So we're just trying to figure out more about this asteroid. Uh, This is not a mission to deflect it. However, uh, you know, we probably could deflect this one, for example, because we have almost 160 years, 150 years before it's supposed to hit Earth. That's a long time. So even if we just kind of slam something into it, um, like sent a spacecraft at high velocity into it, maybe that would be enough. Because it's just such a long time away that any tiny little nudge might just be enough.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. So it's
1: a matter of lead time. If you have a lot of lead time, you can probably deflect it. If you don't, you're up a creek without a paddle.
0: Well, that is not the answer I was hoping for. I thought for sure that we had like tons of defense for asteroids at this point. uh, but it is hopeful that we're landing on one that we think could be a problem in the in the future. I think it's cool that we're already working on stuff like that that that's that's that far out That's pretty amazing, yeah. Okay, so that brings us to our next question. This one's for you, Uncle Tim. How does a spacecraft accelerate in space with no resistance? There's no gravity in space, or, or there's reduced gravity? Well, I'm just going to stop talking and let you take it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so that's interesting. There was an article, I think, in the ni- New York Times, I think in the 1930s, that said a rocket will never fly in space because it has nothing to push against. So Newton's third law is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Are you familiar with that? Yeah. So people used to think that you might not be able to fly in space because you have nothing to push against because there's no air to push against. Right? right. Like when you swim, you push against the water. Right. hmm. If there wasn't water, you couldn't push against it. and You couldn't swim. This is how an airplane works. It pushes against the air with a propeller. Uh, It pushes against the air with its wings as well. It actually creates um, density difference, a pressure differential on top and below the wings. But, I mean, essentially it's pushing on a medium. A rocket's a bit different, actually, because what a rocket does is it shoots out mass. It shoots out its, its propellant. So it carries this oxidizer and fuel and burns it and shoots it out at high velocity. And what it pushes against... ...is its own propellant. So it carries what it pushes against.
0: Oh, okay. So this would be like if you got around on planet Earth by swim walking in a large bubble or something like that.
1: Um, Yeah, the best analogy I can think of is if you propelled yourself through the water by farting.
0: (laughs) That's way better than what I said. (laughs)
1: or something like that
0: (laughs) that is so ridiculous (laughs) every time i swim now i'm gonna think about that
1: it would work it would be pretty inefficient and slow but (laughs) yeah
0: that's actually not (laughs) the best analogy (laughs) this is why it takes so long to get to mars i
1: guess (laughs) yeah that'd be a reasonable method of locomotion on the space station too so, anyway, you carry what you push against. Like if you throw, it's like, it's like the recoil on a gun, actually. It, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you've ever fired a gun before, but uh, it pushes back against you, right? And, and so it's because you're shooting something out and the act of doing that is uh, pushing you back. So mm-hmm. it's the propellant that you're pushing against. You're sh- shooting this propellant out and you're pushing against that. So it's like you brought something along to push against.
0: Okay, interesting. That makes so and much sense. And that's how
1: you can accelerate in space despite there not being anything to push against. I think that's kind of what you're going for with your question.
0: Yeah. How did we learn that we needed to do that in order to get... Around in space? Did we? Was there a mission to space that we didn't do that on, and it didn't work, or something? Or
1: well, you have to you have to do that to get to space in the first place. That's okay. The that makes sense. Yeah, to that get makes there, sense. right? But the person who came up with this was named Tsiolkovsky, Konstantin Tsiolkovsky. He was a Russian school teacher. He was a recluse. He lived in a cabin in the woods, basically, and he invented everything about spaceflight. <laughs> no <laughs> way. Much. He invented rockets. He invented spaceships. He invented um, spacesuits. He invented Uh, thrusters for steering, uh, artificial gravity. I think he pretty much laid out exactly how you travel to space, and he was just this, like, Russian math teacher or something like this in the 1800s.
0: That is insane.
1: Yeah. He didn't build anything himself, and so he never built a rocket, but he told people exactly how to, like, build rockets and stuff.
0: And he was right.
1: Yeah. He was amazing, yeah. Wow. Konstantin Tsiolkovsky.
0: Mind-boggling.
1: And the rocket equation is named after him, actually, often, the Tsiolkovsky rocket equation, which is, like, the main engineering rocket, aerospace engineering rocket equation. Like, if you're a rocket scientist, this is the number one equation you should know. It's called the rocket equation, and nerds put it on their T-shirts.
0: Sounds uh, understandable. If you're a rocket scientist, (laughs) you should know rocket equations.
1: It's basically how, like, uh, why you need staging, because it's related to the exhaust velocity. The efficiency of a rocket relates to the exhaust velocity.
0: So this brings us to our third question. Why is there no gravity in space, or why is there reduced gravity in space, or what is gravity? Just tell us all about gravity, Andrew. (laughs) What is gravity?
1: Gravity is a universal force of attraction between everything in the universe, and it travels at the speed of light, basically. So this is weird, but every particle in the universe, even like every particle within your body— uh, is attracted to every other particle within the universe, so your body different parts of your body have gravity between other parts of your body even um, and it's just a matter of if you have more mass concentrated in one place that has more gravity and the gravitational force is proportional to the mass and inversely proportional to the distance. so you said so, every
0: particle is connected is is connected by gravity is attracted.
1: To every other particle by gravity, yeah.
0: Okay, so so even right now, as you and I are thousands of miles apart, are the particles that make up what we are are being attracted to each other?
1: Yeah, but we're pretty small beings compared to the planet, so you wouldn't really be able to measure that. But the, yes, that's true. And every other weirdo on the planet, though.
0: Right, right, right. Not just <laughs> these two damn weirdos. Uh, so if there were no surface below us, we would all just kind of like get sucked into each other.
1: Um, yeah, although the surface is what the surface is part of Earth, and Earth is what creates the main gravitational force that we're used to talking about. Uh, we can obviously see the effects of gravity from the sun and the moon. They create the tides on Earth, the ocean tides, they pull on the ocean basically. Mm-hmm. But uh, obviously, the main gravity that we're used to thinking about is the gravitational force from Earth, which is created by this giant amount of rock beneath our feet. Okay. And it's because it's close, right? Okay, so that's where gravity is. Why is there no gravity in space? There is. (laughs) There's a little bit less gravity in orbit um, because the space station is like 300 miles above our heads, so it's a little bit further away, but it's still like 95% of the gravity. It's almost all the gravity is still there. Um, The astronauts are weightless not because of a lack of gravity, but because they're constantly in free fall because they're falling towards the center. But they're also moving to the side so fast that they never hit the center, so they just go around in a circle. So they're actually just falling, is the reason why they are apparently weightless.
0: Okay, I am actually realizing a uh, misconception I've been carrying for a while, I th- and it makes perfect sense when you describe it that way, but it, there's, a di- there's obviously a difference between being in space and being on a different planet in space, gravitationally speaking.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're on the moon, you would experience 17% of Earth's gravity pulling you down. Is that because the moon has no
0: atmosphere or less atmosphere or something? No, it's
1: because the moon is smaller. So there's less rock beneath your feet. Okay. So it has 17% as much... It's not 17% as much rock because it's proportional to the distance as well. It has to do with the density, but roughly speaking, you could say it's less rock, so less gravity.
0: So the smaller the planet, the less gravity. That yeah, makes total for sense. sure.
1: Like an asteroid would have almost immeasurable gravity. Like you couldn't really walk on mm-hmm. it because you'd, you'd like push yourself off into space with every step. The moon doesn't have an atmosphere because it doesn't have enough gravity to hold an atmosphere.
0: Okay. So the smaller planets and worlds, we'll just call them, do not have an atmosphere?
1: Yeah, smaller ones don't, uh, generally. There are some other factors, like Titan, which is the moon of Saturn, has a thick atmosphere because it keeps replenishing it, and also it's further away from the sun, so there's not as much solar pressure pushing the atmosphere away. But basically, yes, that statement's true. And it's because Jupiter, for example, has tons of gravity that it's a gas giant. It basically is like mostly atmosphere because it's sucked this whole... Huge atmosphere to the planet.
0: That makes sense.
1: Almost everything in space comes down to gravity. It's really funny. The answer to almost every question is gravity. Yeah. (laughs) Why why is the planet round? Why is there an atmosphere?
0: Yeah. Yeah. What created gravity? What created gravity?
1: It's the fundamental property of the universe.
0: Really? It's as basic as it gets.
1: Yep. It's like one of the few things like electromagnetism.
0: Wow. Insane.
1: And it's weird. Yeah.
0: Super weird. I wonder if gravity could have had something to do with the Big Bang.
1: Um, so, yeah, I mean, gravity probably didn't exist before.
0: Uh, it may have been created by it. It's hard to say. That's insane. My mind is blown. All right, so let's move on to water, because life isn't possible without water. Now, we think of water, we think of Earth, because Earth is, you know, the biggest source of water we know of, uh, the only source of water we know, or we found ice on Mars, I guess, but water must have come from space. My understanding is that it came from asteroids that were smashing into Earth that had water inside. Is that true? Uh, Mostly
1: comets, actually. So water H2O is actually relatively common, and many of the outer planets and the moons and, and asteroids and comets out there are mostly made of water. Like Pluto is very slushy. It's it's got tons of water. Like Pluto is a mix of ice and rock. It's like a dirty snowball. Okay. Um, And lots of the other planets and and moons and, and objects, asteroids, are basically like that too. And that's what a comet is. It's like a dirty snowball and it's true that a lot of the water in earth's oceans came from comets because earth was pummeled by comets there are other places that have actually more water than earth like europa jupiter's moon europa has an ocean that it has more water than all the oceans on earth
0: okay that makes sense i've actually i've heard that before that there's icy planets and stuff but i never the problem with those planets is that they're too cold to sustain life so we
1: can't you know most of the um, not necessarily europa actually may have life oh really Yeah, it's just below the surface, so there's no water. So all the places other than Earth and Venus and Mercury, which are too hot in the solar system, are too cold to have liquid water on their surface. But often they have, like, geothermal heating and heating from uh, the gravitational flexing of planets, like... Jupiter pulls on its moons, and that creates tides, which creates friction in the rocks, which creates heat, which means that they have a lot of heat beneath the surface. And that makes them hot enough to have liquid water below the surface. So they probably have underground oceans, and Europa probably has an underground ocean of more... Water than all of Earth's ocean. And it's in contact with the bedrock and volcanic vents from the moon. So there's hot magma and there's volcanoes underwater uh, seeping up into the oceans. And this is exactly the type of environment that created life on Earth. So I was just about to say, this sounds like the environment that created life on Earth. Yep.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So there's, It's a very good possibility that there's life on Europa. Wow. That is mind-boggling. That's okay. actually my kid's book.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, this, yeah. is, this makes total sense why you chose it for your next kid's book. So let's throw in a bonus question here since we're talking about water and I'm thinking about this. It's one of the most fascinating things to be about space is that we've seen more of space than we've seen of our own planet because we haven't even been to the bottom of our own water. We haven't been to the bottom of our oceans yet. We don't know what's down there. So like, I guess I guess the question is, this is this has nothing to do with space, only water. But uh, why do you think that is? That we've been able to see more of space than we have of our own oceans. I know water pressure and stuff is crazy, but like, doesn't it seem like it should be a lot more simple to get down there?
1: I think that's the reason. It's it's really really tough to go very deep, and it's dark, and and the pressure is extreme, as you say, it crushes submarines and stuff. So it's very difficult to explore the deep seas. I mean, the deep seas are significantly deeper. Then Everest is tall. Mount Everest is tall. They're really deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and pr- water pressure is really different from air pressure, and it doubles every, I don't, know, I forget, like ten or 10, twenty feet or something like that. So, as you get really deep, it can crush any kind of like submarine we can make and stuff like that. We have actually gone to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, I believe. With the, James Cameron um, sent something special- down there. Right. Right. Um, I think we've been to the bottom of them, but there's a lot of territories under the sea that we haven't explored, but it's hard to get to. It's actually, in some ways, I mean, what is exploring the whole seafloor? What does that really mean? Like, you would send a submarine to every square inch of earth ocean.
0: Yeah, it's just crazy. <laughs> like we have that, it, that it, on it's, Mars. So. It's just crazy to me that we have two rovers on Mars and this mm-hmm. other rover going to land on an asteroid. And like we have, we've just got all these machines in space, but we haven't even been to the bottom of our own planet yet. And like we, you know, the fact that James Cameron sent something down there, I'm not like super up on that story and what came of it. Uh, but I know he sent something down there, and that guy is very rich, so he's obviously you know positioned well to make something that. Could go down there, but I guess the point is, if he can do it, why haven't we done why Why haven't we done it on a bigger scale? It's just kind of fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I I don't really know the full answer to that, but yeah, well we can skip it. I'm just it's just food
0: for thought. Just food for thought. Yeah. Uh, So let's 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 ditch that question and get back to space. Um, Oh,
1: there's one other thing I want to say. So it's true that all the water came from comets. Uh, all the water on Earth probably came from comets. But that's true of many, many things on Earth. Most of the metals that we mine also came from space because Earth kind of went through this period where it was molten, and the really heavy elements were pulled by gravity to the core. So most of the heavier elements were kind of lost, and then Earth kind of solidified. And then Earth got bombarded by asteroids from space carrying things like iron and platinum and gold, so, all of the valuable metals, the heavier valuable metals that we mine, were actually brought to Earth later by asteroids. They were not in its initial formation. So, not only water, but many of the things that our society depends upon came from asteroids.
0: I remember you saying that in a previous episode. That is just so crazy. I mean, and you said that there's more gold in space than water. Uh, inside of asteroids than we've seen on earth by a landslide or something
1: oh yeah vastly more yeah some asteroids individually have more iron or gold or platinum or whatever you want to pick than has ever been mined by all civilizations on earth
0: but the question is are there more bitcoins in space (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, there are definitively not because Bitcoin is uh, held by a blockchain and a computer, and uh, as far as I know, there's no. Well, there could be computers out there in space. There probably are, but not in our solar system.
0: <laughs> okay, so this brings us to our last question: What would happen? This this is person. I'm so excited about this question. I'm just gonna build it up a little bit because I've been thinking about this. What would happen to my body if I floated off into space? And uh, let's just assume. My oxygen has run out and I've died. Would my body decompose or would it just float around forever? Like, what would happen?
1: Yeah, it would just float around forever. You'd freeze. Basically, is the answer. You'd I would solid, freeze. Virtually. Yeah.
0: So I would. I would remain intact.
1: Yeah. Pretty, but would, unless something hit you, and then you'd kind of break <laughs> pieces off. lead would be pretty brittle, so you might shatter.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was just sitting here thinking about how to arrange funeral plans to be a jettisoned into space. But, you uh, can actually get your
1: ashes um, shot up into space. Uh, yeah. You can? Send it into space. Yeah. Is James they, Doohan, like Scotty from Star Trek. Is it expensive? He sent his ashes to space. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, I think. Do you uh, you can price? send little samples of it for not that expensive, I think.
0: <laughs> I don't want to send my fingers to space. Uh, I want to yeah, send my whole body. It's
1: undetermined parts. <laughs> <but> yeah. <laughs> just a little bit of the pile.
0: They're gonna send my penis to space.
1: Accidentally, no doubt.
0: Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, hey, let's just let's just separate this guy from his genitals, and that's what they this is what this is what morticians do for fun. This is my guess. <laughs> yeah. But ba- basically you'd freeze. So wow, that's that's crazy. So your blood just... would boil. So is it that cold in effort. space?
1: So yeah, it is. I mean, it's you wouldn't freeze actually very quickly. I th- I guess it would probably take several hours at least to kind That's of still completely fast. freeze to the Yeah. It is. What's uh, the temperature you up there? your body would lose um heat to other sources by radiation. So when you ask what temperature space is, it's very close to absolute zero. But the other thing is temperature is almost meaningless because temperature is like the property of molecules vibrating. And because there aren't very many molecules, temperature is almost like not a thing in space Um, because there's like nothing to hold the temperature. So it's, it's all a question of heat transfer rather than temperature. And there's three modes of heat transfer, conduction, convection, and radiation. And conduction is like heat transfer directly through a material. So it's when you touch a hot stove and you get burnt or okay. touch a hot frying pan or something like that. And the heat transfers through the metal to you, right? Convection is like in a convection oven or circulation-like. Um, air conditioner or something like that, so like circulation of air wafting through the room, so it's carried by, like, air or water, it could be.
0: Okay, so that that the distinction there is, like, direct touch versus just being in an environment that is colder or hotter.
1: Yeah, 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 and having it waft through, exactly, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, radiation is something that you don't kind of realize is happening as much, but the best example is the sunlight. So, Sunlight travels through space. There's no air in space. It just kind of travels through space by radiation and you get bombarded by photons, right? Mm -hmm. And you can get a sunburn because you're in space and the sun has, it radiates you, basically. It's a type of radiation um, and it just travels through space. And you, uh, hot bodies transfer heat automatically through space, through anything, uh, by radiation, basically. Um, so you would transfer your heat to other things, including to deep space, it, by, by radiation.
0: So my, the, the, the temperature of my body would uh, marginally increase the surrounding space around me?
1: Um, yeah, not actually really the surrounding space, but other objects in space because it travel, okay. radiation travels through space to other objects. It's kind of like gravity, actually, in that sense. So it would heat up like an asteroid or something. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, in, in a measurably small way, but yes. Okay, so so my body freezing in space would have left, less to do with how cold it is in space and more to do with uh, my my body just giving off heat by radiation
1: yes that's how you release heat yep
0: wow that is crazy all right so a little bonus question here to tie up the episode things travel faster in space much faster we've already established that so the question is if my dead body is floating through space speeding through space and it smashes into the cremation ashes of james hen is james hen's dust going to make holes in my body it depends
1: on the relative velocity. So if you're moving in the same orbit in the same direction, it might not. But if you're, like, moving in
0: opposite directions or something like that, uh, it's possible. Really? His dust, like, just dust, cre- cremation ashes could, could go through my body and make holes.
1: Uh, I don't know that it would necessarily do that, but it would definitely make a mark.
0: <laughs> well, I like to think it would just go right through me, and then my dust would become one with James Duhins.
1: Uh, yeah, it might mix up a little bit. I mean, it might, uh, here, this is a weird, weird question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is a weird, weird show.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: This has been Two Damn White Guys. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check out Andrew's Kickstarter for his new kids' book, Europa Excursion. Will it still be going when this episode comes out? Yeah,
1: yeah. It'll be the last week, in fact.
0: Europa Excursion. It's a kid's book. It's amazing. The um, Well, it's not out yet, but I have the first two books in the series for my kids, and they love it. So I highly recommend you at least check out the Kickstarter. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that. I am at JulianWasHere. I'm not very active on social media, though. Andrew, however, is. He's at Mars Raider. That's Raider, R-A-D-E-R, not with an I. It's his last name, Raider. If you really want to support us, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That is more helpful than you may realize. We really appreciate it. And until next Monday, take care. Make it a great week. You want to give us a little goodbye or something for the end? Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Amém.